1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events.
2: From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I am Greta Johnson. And Nerded is a show where we talk to your favorite or soon-to-be favorite people. And this week's guest is Samin Nosrat, who I can say is seriously one of my favorite people making stuff right now. She is the author of an amazing food book called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. I call it a food book because it's not a cookbook. It has some recipes in it, but the idea really is if you master the concepts around salt and fat and acid and heat... You can make whatever you want, which is really cool. She now has a Netflix documentary series also called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, and it is incredible. If you haven't seen it yet, I am so excited for you to discover this show. Let's listen to just a little bit of it before we jump into the interview. This is from the first episode, Fat, and Samin is talking with a woman who runs a cheese factory in Italy.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about how to taste? Mm-hmm. What am I tasting for? You have to start from the youngest uh, aging. So you have to begin with 24. Okay. When you taste the first uh, aging, you taste the milk. Okay. It's sweet. Then, dolce. Yeah. It's rich in flavor. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. I, it's bringing tears to my eyes. It's so good. I don't know how it could get better. But let's try.
2: (laughs) That idea of crying over really good cheese is like a level of enthusiasm and delight that just makes me so happy. So I am so excited to bring you this conversation with Samin. Samin, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you for that really
1: generous introduction. That's so nice. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
2: Okay, Samin, let's start with like the most fundamental level of questioning here. What is actually the importance of salt and fat and acid and heat?
1: Oh, sure. Basically, these four elements are universal to all good cooking. So, salt enhances flavor, it makes things taste more like themselves. Fat carries flavor, it really transports flavor throughout a dish. And it also helps us achieve all sorts of different textures, like crispy and creamy and light and tender and flaky. Acid is kind of, I think it might be my favorite, it's a source of contrast. So while salt enhances acid balances and it offers some other thing, some other flavor for our mouth, you know, for things to reverberate off of in our mouth. It's that squeeze of lime on top of your fried fish taco. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that it's that thing that's missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and heat really is just the way we cook our food. It's how we apply heat to achieve the textures we want. And it really boils down to kind of two boils categories. down. Oh no, I didn't even get that. (laughs) But there's basically just two choices when it comes down to choosing, you know, choosing what kind of heat to use. And it's not whether it's stove or oven or grill. It's just, is it intense heat or... Gentle heat. Mm -hmm. And once you figure out which foods require which to get that tender texture on the inside or that crisp texture on the outside, you really can use any form of heat to achieve that. So, this is true wherever you go in the world. People are cooking food in this way. And it's this kind of beautiful, simple foundation through which you can, with which I guess you should say, (laughs) you could um, learn global cooking you know it's a it's a beautiful lens to look out into the world
2: it's the perfect template and i love how lovingly you speak of food like just the words you use i can tell how much it means to you and it's just really special
1: thank you that's really nice
2: Okay, so your new Netflix documentary, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, is about all of these principles. And we have four episodes, and each one takes place in a different part of the world. So you have fat in Italy, and salt in Japan, and acid in Mexico, and heat in California. You're trying all these different things. You're harvesting olives and seaweed. You're tasting salsa till you cry. And at the end of every episode, I think this is really special. You get together with a bunch of people and share a meal, which like, I don't know, maybe I just don't watch that many cooking shows, but I feel like the actual like eating and like communal aspect of food is often not seen in shows about food.
1: Yeah. And to me, that's honestly the point of the whole thing. The most important part is coming together. It doesn't really even matter what you eat you know? And so that was a really important for us to have that moment was showing that this is about people and about gathering. And, you know, food is just my tool. It happens to be a really convenient tool to tell stories and to bring people together. But really, like my evil plan is to just create more community where wherever I go. So
2: (laughs) yeah. yeah, okay, so let's listen to I pulled just a little clip from the
1: last episode. Let's listen to it. For me, cooking has never been about the food. It's about what happens at the table. Making good food accessible is really important to me. And any little way that I can do that, from inviting a bunch of friends over for a simple meal to making them help out in the kitchen when they arrive, just helps make it feel like good cooking is within reach for everyone. My ultimate goal is to make people feel comfortable and taken care of so that they can just enjoy the moment and maybe eventually pass that kindness on to others. Cooking for them, with them, just happens to be the easiest way I can do that.
2: (laughs) Samin, I have to tell you, there were just like so many moments watching the show where it was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to cry now.
1: (laughs) I'm crying right now. <laughs> it's just really beautiful. And you I, say something. I, yeah. You, I'm, I'm sitting here crying. <laughs> <laughs> I held it together, but I'm, I'm with you in spirit.
2: <laughs> so, so right after you, this clip, you also say something really beautiful about how your mission is to empower people to use salt and fat and acid and heat to make delicious things. And how even if they mess them up, that's okay because there's always tomorrow which also is just a really beautiful notion. Right. Um, and it just got me thinking, like, I feel like that's, that's a life skill, right. In addition to like a kitchen skill.
1: I think it's one of the most important things I have taken away from being a professional cook is first of all, that you do have to put in so much practice and practice is what leads, you know, you to proficiency and mastering a skill, but also that, um, Everything doesn't always turn out great. You know, even in in the highest kitchens, you don't everyone's not nailing it every night, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there is a kind of a beauty in the fact that like you whether or not you make whatever you make on a particular day, maybe it's the greatest thing and maybe it's the worst possible thing, no matter what, you have to start again tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. there's kind of this beautiful impermanence in cooking that I think it, it's it's very freeing, especially for me because I'm also a writer and writing is so different because it takes so long and it's so painful <laughs> <laughs> and um, and belabored, you know, and you never have anything that's done completely from start to finish in a day. And so there is this way where um, it's easy to let go of the result in cooking no, because you know that you get to try again the next day. And I think It's nice to have that from the point of view of someone who is proficient and feels like I've mastered some aspects of cooking, but also as a teacher, it's really important for me to remind people that it's okay if you mess up because you can still try again tomorrow. And it's okay if you mess up and you have to throw it away and order Chinese food, you know, <laughs> and like, right, like I'm a perfectionist and I'm constantly have to remind myself to battle my perfectionist tendencies, yet I, yet it's so much easier for me to extend that kindness to other people and make them feel like it's okay, it's really okay. <laughs> Whatever you come up with, it's Okay.
2: Yeah. I think it just, yeah, it feels so much like that whole idea of forgiving yourself, which can just feel so impossible in the moment, whatever it
1: is. Right. But
2: it's, just, yeah. it's like the most important thing you can do. It for really yourself. is.
1: It's, it really is. I think, especially in this world where, you know, we are being pelted 24 seven by like perfectly curated digital images <laughs> of culinary perfection. And, um, it's it's it can feel overwhelming or out of reach and even just in the like time of my cooking career in the past you know 18 years Things have shifted so intensely toward this idea that to be a cook, to be a great home cook, you have to be someone who throws a dinner party with three courses or who makes dinner and has like, you know, two vegetables and a meat. And, you know, sometimes it's okay. Like dinner can just be an egg on toast. It's, Mm -hmm. I, there are very few meals that I remember where um, the food is the thing that I remember. Mm -hmm. Most meals that I remember, I remember who I was with, and what we talked about, and what I feel like, you know, what I felt like in the moment. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think food is the great reason to come together, but it's not the, like, point of coming together, mm-hmm. you know?
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, when I was visiting some friends in North Carolina last year, and we decided to make this, like, three-layer cake from Alison Roman's cookbook. Mm-hmm. And we totally f***ed it up and it just like fell, like they all fell apart out of the pan. There was no way we were going to layer them. And so we ended up just eating like cake scraps out of a bag out all weekend. Out of the weekend. pan. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> the most, and it was a reused Zi- Ziploc bag. So it said like turkey burritos on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was these cake scraps and it was just like the most delightful experience.
1: I Yeah. To me, there's so many things like that in my life where the joke or of the failure has lived on for so much longer than any success ever could have. And that's like this way that our, our relationship has built. Like I remember, um, this was a long time ago, probably 10 years ago. I, I have, a, you know, many of my friends really enjoy Funfetti cake mix. I enjoy it too. And so I thought that I would elevate a Funfetti cake mix by making it with... <laughs> Good. You know, buying the cake mix and then making it with just egg whites to keep the ca- the uh, the cake really pure white that I mm-hmm. that I whipped up to make it like more meringue. I was like it, putting in my chef skills. Yeah, you were doing it. But what that did was it completely made the cake too crumbly and too tender. And so the cake. My <laughs> friends are like, "You ruined a funfetti," you know. And still, <laughs> it's this joke where like I ruined a funfetti. <laughs> It's worth a
2: lot. That's amazing. That's amazing. Samin Nosrat ruining desserts since 1980. After the break, Samin talks about a practice she has called a manifestation journal and talks
1: about why you should do it too. I do think taking a little bit of time a couple times a year to articulate your goals and your dreams and your desires is helpful because it helps sort of orient you toward them.
2: You're listening to Nerdette.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO Original Limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org events.
2: The other thing I really love About this show is how much you're celebrating the home cook as opposed to like gourmet chefs. You know, I mean, the fact that you've traveled to all of these different places and it just seems like you spoke to so many keepers of traditions, you know, like. I'm thinking about the Doña in Mexico who makes, what, like 200 tortillas a day. Mm -hmm. Like there were so many really cool, just like old ladies who were just doing the thing that they were really good at because they'd been doing it forever. That was just so, I don't know, it was just gorgeous and inspiring, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I started cooking, I remember they, the chefs told me, they said, you won't know anything until you've been doing this for 10 years. That's the point at which it lives in your body. You know, and this was before Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 right, hours. I was going to say. And yeah. so, but it's the same thing. And so and it really is true, right around 10 years, I started to f- tell that I could do things without like thinking about it so hard. It really started to come naturally to me. So if you think about that 10 years thing or that 10,000 hours thing, the people who have been cooking for their families their entire lives, can you imagine how skilled these grandmothers are at these, mm-hmm. these tasks that they're doing every single day, you know, for hours a day? And who better to demonstrate and to teach us than, than these women? And it was really important to me to honor these grandmothers because I have always aspired to grandma cooking, you know, and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and, and in a lot of ways, yeah, grandma (laughs) living. I mean, like I am a granny inside for sure. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, (laughs) so it was really, really important for me to show these people as, as the masters that they really are.
2: So you have this habit and I am fascinated by it. And I want to like actually have you back on the show to just talk about it at great length for like our New Year's resolutions episode or something. But your manifestation journal, I am so fascinated by. Oh, yeah. You should get one.
1: (laughs) Yes, I feel like I need to. So this is something you started, what, like almost exactly 10 years ago, right? I think just about 10 years ago. and. I can't remember what prompted me to start it. I do remember the friend I was with, and it was probably a January-ish thing. Mm-hmm. And we went to an art supply store in downtown Berkeley, and I just bought, you know, a sketch one of those sketchbooks with like the faux leather. Oh yeah, like, very you know, nice cover. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think it was on sale, so <laughs> that's probably why I bought it. That's <laughs> super. Fancy. And then I came home, and I, yeah, <laughs> I wrote manifestation journal. And I just started writing down the things that I saw and wanted for myself. And some of them were really big and complicated and seemed probably completely impossible and specific. And some of the things were really little um, and, you know, just silly. Yeah. You
2: have things like get a book published. And I think you even, I think my favorite is, well, I don't know. I have so many, I love them all. Like you wrote in really tiny print, you wrote MacArthur Genius, right?
1: Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and then, at the bottom of the first page. But then also like getting my chin hairs under yep, control. <laughs> the chin hairs. I
2: love the chin hairs. I think my favorite though, was when you mentioned a bay leaf pinata. Oh yeah, that was a really good one. And we did it. We did the bay leaf piñata. And and so that's a piñata made out of bay leaves on the outside. But when I first heard you say bay leaf piñata, I thought you meant a piñata stuffed with bay Filled leaves. Filled with
1: bay leaves. And I was like <laughs> that, that would be awesome too. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because my friend has a bay tree, like this massive oh, bay cool. tree. And I was, and I love the smell of fresh bay leaves. And I thought, wow, how cool would it be to have a thing where when you hit it, that smell <laughs> is released, you know, how amazing. And we, we did it. And um, my friend, it, it was really funny because it was homemade. So it was this paper mache pig-shaped pinata. And my friend was, I think, who the, my friend who made the paper mache was to... Um, she was being very cautious. So she just kept putting on layers of newspaper. So the thing was like almost indestructible. We <laughs> <laughs> so really had to smash it to pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did it in a meadow. It was pretty dreamy. It was my wow. 30th birthday party. Yeah, that it was pretty fun. was pretty amazing. It was pretty fun, yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I think there are so many things I love about the idea of a manifestation journal. But I think the one that really gets me is just the idea, like the, the sheer audacity of asking for what you want.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I, um, I realized about myself some time ago that I'm a pretty fearless and resilient person when it comes to my work and to the, like what I make and put in the world. And I'm a pretty, um, I'm the opposite in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And so I have this incredible capacity to kind of ask for anything and, and deal with rejection and, um, and be fearless when i'm i'm like seeking work things or achievements and and that that is kind of what has fueled the manifestation journal but also i i lately i think i have been like maybe i need to you know, apply some of that to my own personal Mm -hmm. desires and personal goals. So a lot of people are like, you can make anything happen, you know, like why you if you only spent the same sort of like intentional energy on your own personal things, then then those things would come true, too. And so I think I've just been afraid to ask. So that's one thing that I look forward to sort of spending a little bit more time and energy doing is trying to figure out what would make me like happiest in my heart, you know, and in my life rather than just my achievements, because I do feel like I'm an achievement machine, and I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, but you are. It's not necessarily <laughs> what makes, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, cool, check next. Like, I, 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 I find a lot of value in making sure I'm surrounded by, like, wonderful people, and that's a thing I would like to really keep investing in. <laughs> so.
2: so we do a thing on that where we'll ask our guests to give our listeners homework, Oh, and and I think this is perfect. I think we should ask yes. listeners to make start a manifestation journal.
1: And it doesn't have to be a fancy notebook. It can be anything, but it doesn't have to be something you spend a ton of time on. I do think taking a little bit of time a couple times a year to articulate your goals and your dreams and your desires is helpful because it helps sort of orient you toward them. And even if they change or they don't come true, that's fine. You know, it's just nice to have a record. There's a lot of joy and pleasure in going back and seeing, you know, how you've grown and what you've done and maybe even how you've changed.
2: Samin, thank you so much. This was really fun. I am so excited we got to do this.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Greta. It was really nice chatting with you. I'm just going to add on some extra
2: homework here, too. I think you should ruin a cake. Like, try to make something that's maybe a little more ambitious than normal and, like, actually f*** it up and be totally okay with that. Because it's probably still going to be delicious. And even if it's not, there's always tomorrow. The show is produced by myself, Greta Johnson, along with Justin Bull. Our co-creator is Trisha Boveda, and our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. Our intern is Sophie Levon. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on NPR One, or listen in the WBEZ app. It is also super helpful if you leave us some stars on Apple Podcasts. A great many thanks to M. Stormdancer for the review. It is very kind of you to say that we don't ramble on too long. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerd Podcast. We have a newsletter. You're probably going to like it. I think this week I'm going to put in a link to this amazing video of this girl getting her head stuck in a pumpkin, which is one of the most delightful things I have seen in quite some time. Here,
0: Rachel, sneak your
2: head back in. My head is in the pumpkin, do Try it? tilting it down. My head is literally in the pumpkin. You can get that by signing up for our newsletter at org slash nerdsletter. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Like, do it. This time it's really good. I mean, it's always good. But this one is really good and, like,
1: important. My pet peeve is that a lot of people call their shoe size 11, and it's really not a size 11. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs>
2: Oh, yes. As someone who also wears size 11, I very much understand what you are saying.
0: (laughs) Nerdette is supported by The Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Macs. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.